you guys a story uh, about how I came to the church. And, you know, uh, it's my story. Your story might be different, and, and I hope that it is. Uh, because my first experience in church was a collar that was way too tight and pants that were very uncomfortable. Um, I was five years old. I was just a little guy. And it was the first time that our family had ever been to church. My mom uh, was not a church-going person as she grew up. My dad was not a church-going person as he grew up. And so this was our first experience in church. And my mom was taking us. My mom was taking us to church. And so we all thought, well, you've got to dress up. I mean, that's a given. So I, I took my best little slacks and I put them on, and they were too small for me because at five I was growing too fast. And, and I put on this nice little button-up shirt, and, and the collar, even from like my five-year-old neck, was too, too small. And so it was basically like this. I talked like I had been smoking for 20 years. And uh, as a five-year-old, which, do the math, it's not possible. Um, and uh, so then after that, I put on a clip-on tie because five-year-olds, we don't know how to tie ties. And so you probably know what it's like to wear a clip-on. How many guys have worn a clip-on? Come on, admit it. It's okay. Yeah, I'm wearing one today. Uh, no, it, it basically takes a tight collar and, and makes it even more so because there's like a bulge right here. And so like I could barely breathe when I first went to church and I was holding my mom's hand. Now, how many people know me well enough to know that I'm chronically late? Yeah, no? Okay. Know me long enough, you'll know it. It happens. Uh, I am chronically late, and I actually inherited that from my mom. And so this was my mom's plan when I was five to take us to church. And so we were late to church for the first time ever. And we weren't even, like, passable late. You know, like, if you come, like, in the middle of the first song, everybody's like, ah, it's okay, it's the welcome song, come on in, everything's fine. We were after the first song. We weren't even during the second song where people start giving you funny looks when you come in and you just like want to slink into the back, back, back row. You like want to be in the sound booth because you don't want anybody to see you coming in. Or maybe the third song where you're like maybe like out in the lobby thinking, well, no one has seen me yet. I could probably leave and no one will know. No, we were later than that. We were actually into the sermon by the time that we got there. And we were into the sermon long enough that there was this phenomenon happening. Now, what I didn't tell you so far is that my first church experience was at a Southern Assemblies of God church. How many of you have ever been to a Southern Assemblies of God church? Praise God. They're my people. I love them. They're wonderful. Uh, and they do this really unique thing when they're preaching. They scream. They yell. They get passionate. And so the, uh, the, the, the pastor is in the full swing of his sermon, and he, he's delivering it, and he's like adding syllables to God's name. So instead of Jesus, it's Jesus! You know, and, and he's... <laughs> this is like a Holy Ghost church. This is not a Holy Spirit church. And uh, so he's like... He's, he's, his face is like beet red, and, there, and there's beads of sweat coming down. And he's, he's pointing at people, and he's yelling. And I'm looking at this man like this back there. And I look up at my mom, and I'm like, why is that man so angry? <laughs> so I didn't know. Well, it turns out, uh, according to their explanation, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so apparently the Holy Spirit, what I learned as a five-year-old, the Holy Spirit makes your face red and it makes you sweat. So sometimes you're full of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you're not. 
No. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was part of a denomination that is, is wide open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's wide open to the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's the church I grew up in. That's the church I met Jesus in. And I would not trade a day away for anything else. It was such a wonderful experience. But in my experience, I did see a lot of things. I learned that the Holy Spirit is not the, the red-faced sweat thing. That the Holy Spirit, uh, that's more just like style. <laughs> you know, you can yell without the Holy Spirit. I've done it. Um, that wasn't just a style thing. He, uh, or it was a style thing. And, and I saw other things that were like not as funny. Some things that were really funny. <laughs> Everything was crazy. Like, uh, how many of you have ever heard of a holy roller in church? Yeah, maybe a few of us. I've seen those. All right? <laughs> I've been in the church when that happens. When people are so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that, that they fall in the middle of the aisle and they, like, roll up and down because they just can't contain what's going on inside of them. And that's always, that's weird. Uh, I mean, it's either good or bad, but it's definitely weird. And there are people that are sometimes like standing up and shouting in languages that I don't understand. And someone else in the congregation is telling us what it means. Like, that's weird, all right? This is strange stuff. And there are, there are people that I've seen are, that are healed. I, I've seen lots of crazy things, and it's all crazy. Some of it was really, really good and really, really helpful. So when people would prophesy over other people... Usually that in our group, our denomination, meant I'm going to quote scripture at you. I'm going to quote who you are in Christ. I'm going to quote what God is going to do in your life because that's one of the promises of scripture. And it really benefited. I've seen people uh, give words of encouragement that it doesn't even make sense how they would know how to share that word, but it happens. Uh, I've seen people healed. I've seen people um, who uh, <coughs> speak in tongues and someone else offers an interpretation and it just feels right. But then, on the other side, I have seen it in really, really kind of toxic ways. I've seen people um, burn other people down by telling them that God told me to say that you should marry me. Or God told me to say that you should marry that person. Or that you should not be married to that person. Or God told me to say, and you just fill in the blanks. And people would blame the Holy Spirit for what was going on in the flesh. It was really toxic. It was really kind of scary to watch people <coughs> manipulate other people in that context. Guys, that's just my experience. And I, I'm assuming that in this room, we all represent an experience with the Holy Spirit. We all represent an experience with that concept, that idea, that somehow we have interacted with it. So, so maybe you are far from God, all right? And the only exposure to the Holy Spirit is like you've seen it in like a movie where people are, are like beat red and sweating and like raising their hands and shouting in tongues or something. And, and it's just freaks you out. If you're far from God and you're here today, I want to tell you, please don't like run out of the sanctuary. I am not at any point going to like go aisle by aisle, person by person, and put my hands on your forehead and not leave until you speak in tongues, which I have seen happen, which is really destructive. Don't worry. Okay, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> David would fire me. You're safe. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Um, I want to encourage you that if you're far from God and, and you're hearing this message and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. At the very least, I want you to hear that the Holy Spirit brings life. 
Uh, if you are close to Jesus, but, but you're, you've never really had any experience with uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, you've never been told by God to say something to somebody, to give something to somebody, you just have no experience to it, and, and you, you're just open, but you're like, ah, I'm kind of uncomfortable, but I'm open, and I don't really know what's going on. Uh, I love Jesus, but I, I really don't want to listen necessarily to the Holy Spirit, because that's, that's weird. He does strange things sometimes. That's okay, too. Uh, I would say that's actually the category that I'm in now. Uh, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. I'm open to Him working, but I've seen so much destruction and toxic stuff that I I really want to make sure that it's the Spirit moving me and not the flesh. Um, Or maybe you're a Christian and and you've had a really toxic experience. Maybe your background is in the Pentecostal church and somebody manipulated you or manipulated someone you love and and just burned you down. And and you're you're just lucky to be in church anymore. Um, And so listening to things about the Holy Spirit might bring back those sorts of things. I want to encourage you, um, it doesn't have to be that way. Wherever people exist, there's good and bad. Wherever they exist. And in the church, there's no exception. When the Holy Spirit moves, people can either take it good or take it bad. But what I want to do today is I want to ask you just a simple question. We're not going to dive into the minutia of it. I want to ask you a simple question. Do you have wind in your sails? Do you feel like in your life, do you have wind in your sails? Do you feel like you're going somewhere? Do you feel like you have energy to go somewhere? Because that, I think, is one of the key themes for the Holy Spirit, wind. To, to get there, um, do, with, do me a favor and turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to kind of do a, a little bit of a, a path in Scripture, so I want to encourage you guys to just keep your Bibles out. Um, Jesus was talking to this man named Nicodemus who came to him while he was on earth and while he was teaching. And Nicodemus was a teacher of the law, and, and he asked, what must a man do to be saved? And, and, and Jesus tells him, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus has never heard that term. He's never, he doesn't have like a bucket for that. And so he's like, whoa, what are you talking about? And Jesus answers this way. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start reading in verse, um, verse 5, actually. It might not be on the screen, but just follow with me. Jesus answered, saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And then he starts into this wonky analogy that just sounds disruptive, because he's talking about birth, and he's talking about water, and he's talking about spirit, and then all of a sudden he says, the wind. The wind. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you may hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from, or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The very first analogy, the very first imagery, the very first theme that Jesus wants to tell us about the Holy Spirit is wind. And it's like, well, maybe he just kind of like came up with that. I mean, he is Jesus. He's pretty good at coming up with stuff on the fly. Um, I think there's more to it. And let me read something to you. I'm going to actually read this verse to you in a different way that might start to illustrate this. Notice the words that I use. In verse 8, it says, The wind winds where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the wind. The spirit spirits 
where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The breath breathes where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's cumbersome to read it that way, but it points out something that's true. In the original language, the, the words that they use for wind and blows, the act, action of wind blowing, is the exact same word that's used in that same verse for spirit. Because wind and spirit are interchangeable in a lot of different ways throughout Scripture. So in the Old Testament, when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, and other places in the Old Testament, that same Hebrew word is used for the word, the idea of the spirit, and the idea of the, the breath that we have, and wind that is in motion. Not still air, it's in motion. In Greek, pneumos has that meaning. It means spirit, it means breath, it means wind. You look to context to tell you which one it is, but they're related. Even in English, we borrowed from our, our parent language, Latin. Uh, spiritus is, is Latin for, for uh, wind and spirit. And, and we kind of keep this meaning a little bit. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, like, he was spirited away? Yeah, it, it's just like blown away like quickly, <laughs> like moved quickly. Things often get spirited away in Wyoming. Am I telling you anything new? No? Uh, see, wind is a powerful analogy, especially here in Wyoming, where we were actually talking about it in the back, and Zach Bennett pointed out, you can actually taste the wind in Wyoming. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's Red Rock. That must be from Guernsey. <laughs> really blowing today. <laughs> you know, the dust that comes in. But wind is a powerful thing, and I've, I've constantly, not even making this up for the sake of a sermon, I've actually kind of had this fixation with wind in my life. When I was a little kid, I would have the fan blowing in my face. Now, I know a lot of people sleep with a fan on for the white noise, but I would have a fan blowing in my face because I liked the feel of the wind over my face and the sound of rushing in my ears. It was like the white noise that helped me sleep. It was just soothing. It was calming. It was peaceful. And if you've ever been like out in the field or out in the pasture for way longer than you thought you should have been, doing a thing that should have been way easier than it is, and it's just still as a mill pond, and it's like 348 degrees outside centigrade, and you're just baking under the sun, and you feel this gentle breeze come over you. It's like, I can live. <laughs> I'm not going to die. This is great. Or, or maybe you sat on a, on a still summer morning or evening, sat with there with a lemonade or something, and not a care in the world, not needing to go somewhere, not needing to do something, which maybe in Wyoming might be weird. But you're sitting there and you hear the wind going through the trees or the grass. It's just peaceful. Now, there are other times that Wyoming wind is not peaceful. And there are actually other times that wind is actually very powerful, so powerful that it might actually be destructive. It levels things. One of my first mission trips with North Hills we went up to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, and we were a couple days in, and it had been raining and, and, and storming kind of off and on because it's South Dakota in, in, like, June, and so they've got a lot of storms coming in. And so it had been kind of raining and storming, but this particular day, uh, the rain was coming down all day, the wind was blowing all day, and, and by the end of the evening, the wind was actually blowing so hard that the, the rain was not coming from the sky. It was actually coming from over there. 
and it was blowing sideways. Now, I'm not used to that. I'm not from here. And so that was a little bit peculiar to me to have such strong wind coming in sideways. So we make our way inside, and the already high level of wind, it feels like it just got turned up to 11. Because all of a sudden, the turned into like a whoosh. And then there was like clapping sounds and like whisking sounds. And I can't describe wind. And um, we look outside and, and Ty, uh, the, the worship pastor here, we're looking out through the screen door and we're watching his pop-up camper like fighting its best and losing. And it's just like, uh, and then it goes, like in front of us. We're like watching it just like, I was, okay, that's weird. And so he's like, that's where I'm sleeping. I have to get my stuff out of there, all the kids' stuff. And so he, he opens the door. You know, like, you know, you've opened doors before. Um, when you, like, turn the knob, and then you push it open, and then you walk through. Well, this was like an automatic door, because all you had to do was turn the knob, and it sucked Ty out the door. Like, it flung the door open, and it pulled him out. And he's holding on to the door... And, like, I, I still remember watching his sneakers on the concrete, like, floating. Like, he's like, I... Can you hear me now? Oh, gosh. Okay, there we go. Uh, So, this is in John chapter 14. Uh, Jesus says, uh, let's see, I want to make, there we go. In verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Follow my commandments. I'm going to give you a helper. The word here is technically like someone that like stands alongside you and, and helps you along on your walk, helps you along on your call. So imagine someone standing alongside you and like holding their arm around you and like that firm pressure that says, you, you got to do this thing. That's the kind of helper that he's talking about. Um, he says, uh, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's going to stand alongside you. He's going to be with you. But it's not just that. Because even the best helper sometimes isn't there. He's going to be such a keen helper. He's going to be such a present helper that he's actually going to be inside of us. That's what Jesus promises to his disciples. He says, he's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. He's in our very hearts. When Jesus said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you, lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus left. Like, after, that, after he said that, he, like, got on an invisible elevator and left. But he doesn't lie. See, he sends the helper, he sends the other person of the Trinity to be with us, to be in us. He's not leaving us, he's not forsaking us, he's here with us. He made that promise. And so, let's watch that promise uh, unfold. Acts chapter 1 um, Jesus uh, is giving last, last talks, last things. And he says, While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's uh, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says that if you guys hang out here for a little while, that 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 helper, that presence, that person that's going to be with you. The one that I promised, he's going to be here. Wait here, he's going to show up, I promise. So then, in Acts chapter 2, we see uh, that actually happening. This one's going to be a little bit longer, so I want you guys to track with me here. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, this is a while after the Passover meal, but it's still in the same season. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So there's about 120 of them. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Huh. Have you ever been in a room and someone opens the window on a windy day? It's just like every day that you're doing paperwork that seems to happen. Because every like nice little stack that you have and everything that like, you're wanting to remember suddenly just blows away and it's all in a pile on the floor. Because wind doesn't care. Wind is going to come in and it's going to do its thing and it's not going to ask you first. It's not going to say, hey, would you mind if I blew this stack, of, this stack over? You want me to blow this stack over and not that stack? Okay. No, wind doesn't do that. It just kind of comes in and just rushes the place. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, this is an interesting thing and I don't want you to get too fixated on this manifestation. This is an example of the Spirit coming and, and people doing something. I'm not going to say that it always has to be this thing that happens, because it certainly isn't. Uh, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3 says, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, so the Spirit moves, people act. I want you to remember that. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now a lot of them had come together for the Passover uh, festival, the Passover celebration. And so a lot of them were probably still in the community. It was a long journey for several of them. So, so there were a lot of people here from all over the place, a lot of Jewish people. And at the sound, the multitude came together. So the sound of the wind was so loud, so disruptive, so uncomfortable that people throughout the city heard it 
and came to see what it was. It would be like all of a sudden I'm talking, boom, there's a loud sound down by the railroad tracks, and we're all like, oh, let's go see. I don't, that would be kind of interesting if that ever happened, but uh, <clears throat> that's what's happening here. And they... <clears throat> And at this, the sound came together, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Read, they are losing their minds, okay? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. Okay, so the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, they do something, and people are astonished. They're like, holy cow, what is going on? This is beyond anything that I've ever experienced. This is way too powerful, way too big. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> Saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they all just a bunch of hayseeds from out in the sticks? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, you know, there's a whole list of these people that are here. And they're hearing in their own language. This is impossible, folks. I don't want you to read this story and say, oh, yeah, okay, I know that story. This is impossible, what's happening. Different people are hearing the same people speak, and they're hearing it in their own language. This is the definition of a miracle. Something is happening beyond normal scope, beyond natural law. <clears throat> Let's see. And it says, And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? Now, a lot of times the story stops here because it's like, well, you know, we got to move on to the next point and, and they, they saw the Holy Spirit and it's like, well, that's cool. And we don't really want to talk about this next part. But the authors of Acts wanted to include it and they said, but others mockingly said they are filled with new wine. So basically we have two camps of people We've got people that are watching the move of the Spirit. They're watching God move His people. And there's a, a camp of people that are like, Holy cow, this is awesome. I'm really freaked out, but I don't know what it is. What does it mean? They're looking for some significance in it. And then there's an entirely other group of people that are like, they're just drunk. Which is actually a pretty good... I mean, if you have to make up an excuse, that's a pretty good excuse. The exact same experience, but people are seeing it differently. And I would propose that even as believers, even as Christians, people that follow Jesus, we have the same opportunity to be in one of two camps. We can say, holy cow, God is moving. I don't know. I don't understand it. I can't put my arms around it. It's really, really big. But it has to mean something. God is moving. Or, it's just made up. It's just crazy. Untie my bow tie. You know, it's just, this is insanity. This doesn't fit my box of things that are normal experiences. Now, we all know which side you want to be on, but um, that's not terribly fair. Peter does end up defending them. He says, hey, it's early in the morning. We're not drunk yet, promise. Um, but I want to I go to Romans chapter 8 to explain this difference, this schism, on how people respond to the Holy Spirit, because it is significant. And, and I still would argue that it can happen to believers. It can happen to us, Christians, brothers and sisters. Um, Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, uh, it basically lays out why we can be so happy, which uh, if you're not feeling very good about life, uh, I want to encourage you to, to meditate on Romans chapter 8 for a week because it, it just, 
it, it's good food for the mind. But basically, uh, the Apostle Paul is laying out this, ex- this entire argument for why God has worked and how we can benefit from it, how we can have life. So we could not give life to ourselves. We were completely dead, not mostly dead. And Jesus marched to the cross. He took our sins upon him. He died on the cross, was punished for those things, and then he defeated death. Just another day for Jesus. He defeated death. And he overcame death. And he has made a way for us to have eternal life. An access to God that we could not make before. Because it says in in this uh, chapter, it says that the law was made flesh, or was made weak in the flesh. So I want to pick up um, in verse 9. Oh, actually, no. Let's go to verse 6. He says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So there's this dichotomy that he's talking about. He's talking to believers. He's writing this letter to believers. And he says, he says on one hand, there's the flesh. And you can tell it. He doesn't really explain what it is. He doesn't really explain you know, the, the theological significance of it. He says, you will know it when you see it because it brings death. You can walk according to the flesh, or you can walk according to the Spirit. And he, he doesn't really dive in yet as far as what that means. He just says that you'll know it when you see it. He says it brings life and peace. So one of the most, the most powerful analogies for me about wind is the idea of a sailboat. Not a big uh, hobby here in Wyoming, uh, but... Sailing is basically the art of capturing the wind and using it. And, and I was telling this analogy to my friend John Barry. He's sitting in the lobby right now. Um, I was telling this analogy to my friend John Barry yesterday, and I was like, and you can't sail against the wind. And just like a good friend would, he says, actually, you can. And I was like, oh, man, that was a good analogy. I really liked it. And so then he showed me that basically if you, like, rig your main sail in a certain way so it only catches, like, the tail end of the wind, it can actually, like, vector you kind of towards the wind. You can, like, reverse, and you can kind of go towards the wind. You can, like, you can zigzag back to the wind. But there's no way to set your sail to go against the wind. And it's a powerful analogy to me because when you have wind in your sails, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. You're going to get to the destination. Now, the destination might not be determined by you at this point, unless you get really fancy with it. But the wind is going to take you somewhere. But dead winds means dead sailors. Um, I mean, I like pirates, and every once in a while you'll run across a pirate story where there are dead seas for weeks on end. You know, people start getting scurvy, and there's cannibalism, and just all sorts of bad things start to happen because they're not going anywhere. They're all stranded on this little makeshift island because the wind isn't moving. I want to tell you guys the good news that Scripture tells us. It says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God is working. 
The wind is blowing. Do you have wind in your sails? Do you have wind in your sails? So then he's comforting us, and he says in verse 9, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, which he tells us earlier that the Spirit, if we have Christ, then, uh, or actually he tells us here, he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The wind is blowing. Do you have wind in your sails? Because if you don't, that's not the wind's fault. God is moving in Goshen County. God is moving in Wyoming. God is moving in the world. I I wish I could tell you guys the statistics, but they just keep changing every time I look. Our faith is exploding across the world right now. Here in America, we feel like maybe it's on a, on a decline. But it is growing. We are part of a movement where God is just blowing across the world. And there are people with their sails up that are like, okay, God, where are we going? And, and they just get carried away. Do you have wind in your sails? Because it's blowing. The wind is blowing. And I want to encourage you guys by that. I also want to talk about the, the verb give because he says in verse, uh, in verse 11, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which we know it does because we have Christ Jesus, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, um, I have shoes. Let's see. We all have shoes, I know. Um, But these are really cool shoes, all right? So if I wanted to give these shoes away to my friend Brittany, because this is definitely your size, right? Yeah, totally. That's not true. She has actual girl feet. Um, So um, if I wanted to give this to you, what, what would you have to do if I gave it to you? You don't have to say thank you. Like, here. Yeah, you just take it. And now you have the shoe. Even if you don't say thank you, which you should, because I just gave you one of my shoes. I wore those here. You should feel bad now. No, uh, actually, yeah, those are just a little too big. I'm going to take those back. The, the funny thing about giving is that the only thing that's necessary to have that thing that's given is to take it. Receive it. I like that word a lot better. Because God, Romans 8, he, he is giving life through his Holy Spirit. It's a gift. And he offers it to us. And he doesn't say, you know, you have to do like 13 cartwheels and, and 15 jumping jacks before you can get my shoe. He doesn't say that you have to like go to church every Sunday and read your Bible every day and like check your timestamp to make sure that you have, like, can do this thing. He gives us life. And we just have to take it. To use the analogy, we have to put our sails up to receive the wind. uh, There are some hurdles to that. One being, we don't know where the wind is going. It's scary. It can make us uncomfortable. Even in the earliest version of the Holy Spirit manifesting in the church age, it was scary and it was uncomfortable for everybody. 
but we can trust it. We can trust the Holy Spirit. Another hurdle to, to putting our sails up is we might not know how. Like, that's all really good, Adam, but I don't actually have a boat, and I actually don't know how to sail, and I wouldn't know how to put a sail up. Truthfully, I don't either. Never sailed. But I also know that Jesus talked about how his sheep will hear his voice, and they will know his voice. And if we listen, I think we can find. So uh, here's a, a weird thought. Just follow me for 30 seconds, okay, guys? Have you ever thought about what it is you're hearing when you hear the wind go through the trees? Maybe not. Maybe I'm just a strange person. But <clears throat> when, I'm, when I'm sitting there and it's peaceful and I've got, you know, I've got that lemonade, I'm just hearing the wind going through the trees. I'm not hearing the wind. I'm not hearing, uh, you know, the whoosh of the wind, even in my own ears. I'm hearing thousands of little leaves clapping together, moving because the wind is moving them. Sometimes we have said no to God so many times and our heart is like so closed off and we're just like, no, I just want to be in my box. But maybe we have to listen for what God is doing in other people's lives. But I want to tell you the best way to know if you're hearing the right thing, to know if you're watching for the right thing, is find something that is reliably the Spirit. And I'm pointing to my iPad, and I promise it's not Apple products. There's a Bible app in here, and that's what I'm pointing at. Um, the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. Um, it, Paul, Paul talks about, uh, I actually I think it's Peter that talks about how all Scripture is God-breathed. That, that God has breathed over Scripture. He has inspired Scripture. He has blown over Scripture. That, that what is written there, that tells us what his voice sounds like. That tells us what he, the kinds of things that he says, what's true. The Holy Spirit will never tell you anything that's contrary to Scripture. That's just a given. Because the same, you know, it comes from the same source. So let me ask you again. Is there wind in your sails? We're, we're about ready to um, sing a, a closing song, but before we do that, I want to encourage you guys by a story that starts with a joke. Okay, I'm going to see if I can tell it right this time. So there's this man. He lives in this house. And this house is on a floodplain. And this house is receiving rain in tremendous amounts. And so the rain comes, and it comes up to his hips. And he's a faithful man, and he knows that God is going to save him. However he's going to do it, God's going to save him. It's going to happen. And so this boat comes along, and uh, <clears throat> there's a, another guy on the boat that says, Hey, uh, the rain is coming, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, and the floodwaters are rising, and you're going to drown. You don't breathe water. You need to get in the boat and get out of here. And the guy says, No, no. Hey, don't worry. God will save me. I'm a, I'm a faithful man. And so the boat's like, Okay. They pour on. Uh, and so then uh, the rains keep coming and the waters keep rising and he goes to the second floor of his house and uh, <clears throat> another boat comes along and, and it's up to his hips on the second floor and he's like looking out the window and the boat's like, hey, you need to get on this boat. Hey, you're going to die if you don't do this. And the guy says, hey, don't worry. Other people would die, but I love Jesus. He's going to save me. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. 
You guys have heard this joke, but I'm going to tell it just to pretend that you haven't. So then finally, the rains keep coming, and he goes, uh, he actually has to climb on top of his roof at this point. Okay? And, and then, um, like, he's standing, like, on the tippy-top part of his roof. Uh, there's actually a technical word for that, but I'm going to call it the tippy-top. Um, he's standing on the highest point of his roof, and another boat comes along, and he's, like, starting to freak out, and the water's, like, up to his hips again, and, and, and the boat says, hey, you're going to die if you don't get on this boat. And the guy says, no, 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 God will save me. So finally, the waters keep rising, and then it's, and then he's dead. Sorry, that's, there's death in this joke. Um, so he's standing in front of God now, because that's where you go. And he, he's standing in front of God, and he's like, God, heaven's great, love it, um, but I have a question. Why did you not save me? And God says, I sent you three boats. Oh, good. Some, that was either a really nice pity laugh or some of you haven't heard that joke before. Um, so that's a funny joke. But it saved my life. Because when we were in Arkansas, in the same week, there was no program, there was no system, there was no, there's no plan. In the same week, three different people were told by the Holy Spirit to come to my house and knock on the door and invite my mother to church. Like I said before, my mom was not a church-going gal. She didn't go to church when she was growing up. My dad didn't. We just, that just wasn't us. And so the first time she was polite, she said, no, thank you. No, thanks. Great. And the second time someone came along, it was a different person. They said, hey, we just want to invite you to Sunnyside Assembly of God. It's down the street. Um, she says, no, thank you. I don't, she was polite. She's, she's a really nice lady. And so the third time, the, the, the gal comes up, and it's Sister Sandra, and she, she knocks on the door, and she says, hey, I just wanted to invite you to come to our church um, because I, I think God told me to tell you that. And my mom says, oh, that's really nice, but we're busy. No, thank you. And as she shuts the door, she remembers that stupid joke. I sent three boats. One, two, three. I really, really think, now it might be weird, I really, really think that the Holy Spirit inspired each of those people. They had their sails up, the wind was blowing, and it was blowing to my front door, luckily. And those three people listened and were obedient, and they knocked on the door, and they were rejected. And then the same Holy Spirit, even though my mom didn't know Jesus, like, somehow, like, superimposed this joke into her brain, this stupid, stupid joke. And in that moment... She said, yeah, I got to go. So then she took her kids, including her little boy, and put them in uncomfortable clothes with little button-up shirts and clip-on ties, and they met Jesus because of her. My life was saved because of people who were obedient to the Holy Spirit. People who said, I don't know where the wind's going, but I'm going to put up my sail. So I want to encourage you as we, you know, wrap up today and go on to the rest of our week, I want to encourage you to think on what it would look like for you to be moved by the Holy Spirit. Because there are telltale signs, telltale things that point out that we are being moved by the Holy Spirit. There's a list of them, and there's a song that goes along with it, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Brittany, do you remember that song? Yeah, never forget it. We can tell when the wind is moving us by life or death. And I want to encourage you to put yourselves up. Be moved by God because the wind is blowing. He's moving us. 
let's be part of it. Jesus, I pray um, that as some of us are probably frustrated with you, God, because it seems like the wind just keeps blowing in our face. Your Holy Spirit is moving us and sometimes it convicts us, but God, I just pray that you would help us in our frustration. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to uh, faithfully chase you down, faithfully follow you, faithfully go where you're going. Because God, we know that you're taking us in a good place where you want us to be. God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient even when um, it might be weird, even when it might be bigger than we expect, even when it's uncomfortable. God, I pray that you'd help us to follow. God, I pray that you'd help us to pursue your presence this week. Lord, help us to go where you're going. Jesus, help us to be faithful so that we might be able to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand and sing the last two songs, we're going to have take our tithe offering. 